You are listening to audio from Victory Church. To check out more resources or to support the work of the ministry, visit victoryballotin.org. We are on a series here at Victory uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. It's the manifesto of Jesus. We've been talking about it for a couple weeks now. We're going to continue to go through it and go through this incredible sermon that Jesus gave to the people that were following him that would set up to be a catalyst for all of his teaching and for the lives that we live as his disciples. Last week, we talked about Jesus on salt and light and what it means to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world as Jesus called us to be. Uh, I I, uh, was enriched by that study myself, and it was fun to practice that this week, and I hope you guys all had an opportunity to do that as well. We're going to uh, skip a few verses this week in the Sermon on the Mount. I've got to tell you that if we were to go through the Sermon on the Mount and study every verse, we could be on this for years. So there are a few things we're going to highlight uh, on Sunday mornings, and then there are other ways that we are highlighting some other things in Bible class, as well as in the Abundant Life podcast. Um, one thing that we've highlighted in the Abundant Life podcast is really the section of Scripture that comes right before what we're going to study today, and that is specifically on how Jesus approached the law. The law of Moses, the Ten Commandments. Jesus had some interesting things to say about it. And we talked about it, This uh, the podcast that was published this last week, about did Jesus uh, kill the Ten Commandments? That was our topic. So I encourage you to listen to that. It was a fun discussion. But today we're going to talk about, and this is our topic, Jesus on anger. Jesus on anger. In our key text this week, it's going to be Matthew 5. 21 through 26. Uh, It's going to be on the screen, but if you've got your Bible, I invite you to open up and read it with us. Jesus said this, You have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, You good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go to the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there and before the altar uh, and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you're on your way with him. So that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the officer, and you be thrown in prison. Truly I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid the last cent. So Jesus had some interesting things to say about anger here in in starting this uh, part of his sermon. And he really equates it in an incredible way to murder. That that in Jesus' eyes, when, when anger fills our hearts... He equates that to being guilty of murder before the the, the court. And we're going to talk next week about uh, what Jesus meant in some of these verses in, in Matthew chapter 5 as he brings a really high standard for our hearts. But this week we're going to stay really specific just on anger. When I was a kid, uh, and sometimes more recently as well, I, I've had a tough time with anger, knowing what to do with anger, how to deal with it. I think I told this story in a sermon last year, but a good story is worth telling again. 
Um, when I was probably, I'd like to say I was five. I was probably like 10 to 12 years old. Um, I had a lot of siblings growing up. And we loved to do sports. And specifically on Monday, Dad would come home for lunch from work. It was his day off that he sort of half took as a day off sometimes. Uh, And he'd make us lunch. There were usually two dishes. You could have tacos or spaghetti. That's all Dad could make. And it was Mom's meal off for the week of cooking. And uh, so we had that. And we'd usually, if the weather was nice, we'd go outside and play a game. Uh, Whether it be football, baseball, basketball, some game that Dad made up. It could be anything. Uh, and, and we'd kind of get in stretches of uh, trending towards one sport. So uh, we were playing baseball at this time, just about every week in the summer. And I was really struggling at, at that age and for a while there with just getting angry around competition if things did not go my way. I really struggled. But this is a weird part about me. I also was a baker. It was kind of weird. Like I was really exploring baking. So I had made some cookies uh, some cookie batter. I'd laid them out on these cookie sheets, laid them out on the tray. And dad said, all right, guys, it's time to go play baseball. So the cookies were ready to go in the oven. And uh, and I was called out to play baseball. So I was like, all right, I'll come back and finish this when I get out. Well, I've got nine siblings. And uh, I've got a brother that's 15 months older than me, 18 months younger than me. And then on from there, there's six of us brothers. And boy, could we get heated playing sports. And this day in particular, I don't know what it was. But something just set me off. I was so upset with my brothers. I'm sure someone lied about some rule, and I'm sure I was right. I'm very confident to this day that I was right. But I remember I just blew a cap. And, and when the game was done, uh, Dad always called us together to pray. Very pastoral of him. Uh, <laughs> raised in a pastor's house. We would come together and pray. And I remember this day, I was like, you know what? I'm going to stick it to him. I'm going to turn my back, and I'm just going to march right inside. And, and my dad started hollering, Matt, come, Matt, stop. Come back here. Come back here. But I was like, no, I am resolute. I am storming inside and making my point that I was, uh, I, I received an injustice here in this game. And he said, all right, well, as soon as I got to the door, he said, all right, Matt, you just go and sit on your bed for a while and think about it. That was kind of like our timeout as kids or getting grounded for a little while. My 15-month uh, older brother than I, Micah, I talked about him a couple weeks ago. He thought it would be a great idea to come in while I was sulking on my bed, still feeling justified, and say, hey, Matt, what do you want us to do with your cookies? And I sat there for a second, and I looked up at him, and I said, put them in the oven. And let them burn. No one is getting off with cookies today. I was angry. I wish I could say that my anger, I left all back there. And in some ways, uh, in the expression of it, it's gotten a lot better. Um, But I still get angry sometimes. Like most of us do. I would say probably all of us do at times. I still get angry. Um, Putting my three-year-old to bed. Man, if you ever had a three-year-old that struggles to go to sleep... You know, you could give them just about anything that they want, and they still may not go to bed. Boy, sometimes I come out of there just boiling, and I'm like, Olivia, I'm just being honest. Olivia, you're going to have to go in there, or I'm going to do something I'm going to regret. You're going to have to take this over, because I am tired, and I'm fuming. Or this week, I didn't tell her I was going to mention this, but um, a few days a week, Olivia is in here in the office, and she likes to come and share the office with me. And I have this habit, I know a lot of people do this, but like when I'm really focused, I like tap, and it drives her nuts, drives her absolutely crazy. So I'm sitting there in my office, 
at my desk, working hard, really focused, and I'm just tapping on my desk. She's sitting there as a guest in my office. <laughs> my office. And she says, Matt, can you stop tapping? Now, like a good husband, I stopped. But there were no words to be spoken. And I just let the silence sit. And I knew she could tell that I was angry with her. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let her feel this for a while. And we just sat in there in silence for a good while. And I just wanted, I mean, I wanted to turn around and say, you can just go get into your own office if you'd like to. But no, sulking was the better route. I'm sorry, Liv. Sorry about that. Will you forgive me? Thanks. Forgive me for my anger. It still happens. Man, I still get angry all the time. And if, if you're here and you're like, okay, a sermon on anger, I'm not really an angry person. Um, I want to read you a story about someone. Her name is Sarah. And I just want you to think through what Sarah encounters here and just wonder, okay, maybe I, maybe I could be made angry once in a while, if that's you. So this is a story about Sarah. Sarah, Sarah hurried through the crowded streets her patience wearing thin as she navigated a crowd of unbearably slow walkers. Already, oh, I heard it, mm-hmm. Already got you. Already late for her meeting due to a traffic jam, she cursed under her breath, of course no one at Victory would ever do that, uh, cursed under her breath at the universe's conspiring forces. Finally arriving at the cafe, she sighed with relief, only to be interrupted mid-sentence by a loud conversation at the neighboring table. As she tried to focus on her work, her laptop froze, adding to her frustration. Just as she was about to give up and call the day, her colleague, Tom, arrived, casually strolling in 15 minutes behind the schedule as if it were no big deal, no apology. Sarah bit her tongue, seething inwardly at his chronic tardiness. Their meeting was constantly interrupted with Tom's incessant chewing, each crunch of his chips like nails on a chalkboard. Sarah's ear, ear ration mounted with each bite. Ear ration. Irritation mounted with each bite. Any, any loud chewers like that here today? Uh, her annoyance compounded by his unsolicited critiques of her presentation. Exhausted and frazzled, Sarah left the cafe, only to realize she had misplaced her keys. Searching frantically through her bag, she had a few nice words under her breath about her forgetfulness, feeling the anger bubbling inside of her like a pot about to boil over. Finally finding her keys, she trudged home, every step reminded of the day's frustrations. And as she collapsed on the couch, she vowed to invest in noise-canceling headphones and to never schedule another meeting with Tom without a strict agenda and time limit. Unfortunately... It didn't stop there. Sarah made her dinner, just like me, but on accident. She put her food in the oven, forgot it, burnt her dinner. Anyone ever have a day like this? Nothing can go right, and man, you feel something inside of you just boiling with anger for yourself, everyone around you, the world, maybe God. Um, Anger can just rise up in us. So I want to be honest today all together about anger and and, uh, just talk a little bit about a few things that we, we may find in ourselves and things that are important as we read this text from Jesus that are important for us to look at and say, man, do I have anger inside of me? Back to the text. Uh, this is what Jesus said, and I'm going to add some commentary here. 
You've heard it said that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. That's a reference to the Ten Commandments, actually. And then added in the law, uh, whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. So Ten Commandments, law was uh, commonly held, hey, it's like it is today. If you commit murder in the court, you are guilty of punishment. But Jesus said, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before that court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, which is literally translated, you empty brain as an insult, um, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go to the fiery hell. Whoa. Very serious consequence. Therefore, if you're presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember you have a, a brother, that your brother has something against you, leave your offering and before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come back and present your offering. So Jesus is saying, uh, don't fulfill this holy act if you've got something unresolved between you and a brother. This is a very holy thing to come and bring an offering. Jesus said, come to it with a clean conscience. Don't have strife in your life as you come before this holy act of bringing a sacrifice. He goes on and talks about making friends quickly with your opponent. Because if they take you to court, there's a good chance you're going to be thrown in jail and have a big debt to pay off. So there, there are four important truths I want to look at this morning about anger. And, and these, these truths are really, uh, no matter who you are or, or how you get angry, and, and we'll talk about that briefly, um, and, but no matter how that all works for you, uh, these truths are real about anger. But first, really quick, there are different ways that each of us get angry. So our first one is, is anger varies. That's the first truth about anger. We all experience it differently. Uh, there's really, uh, clinical psychologists say there's three ways that people experience the emotion of anger. Uh, the first one is exploders. Does anyone know an exploder? Don't raise your hand. Um, we all know what an exploder looks like. Exploders actually believe that uh, somewhere in their soul that anger is a good thing. And anger is a good thing, but when they explode, it's not necessarily good. Uh, these are the type of people that are just, they can be on a hair trigger. Anything can set them off. Then there's stuffers. Stuffers. And, and most of us know a stuffer, and if you are a stuffer, you usually know that. You stuff anger down inside of you. And, and really, uh, on a basic level, you think that anger is bad. So you continue to stuff it down, stuff it down inside of us. No one is ever going to see it. That anger is not going to see the light of day. That is your inner vow. The, th- the third kind of, of ways we can get angry is a leaker. A leaker is like, uh, this is Matt, this is not clinical psychology, but a leaker is like a stuffer wannabe. Like, you want to stuff it, you know the anger's wrong, but you just can't help yourself of it leaking out onto other people, whether it's in the situation that, that brought the anger or not. It just leaks out of you. Now, uh, it's easy for us to think, okay, stuffers, they're like middle level, they're, they're not that bad, though. They don't get angry. Exploders, they're like ultimate bad angry. And then leakers, they're somewhere in the middle. They're not that bad, but sometimes their anger causes problems. 
The truth is, all of that form of anger, when it has roots in bitterness, are not godly. No matter whether it comes out or not, Jesus is speaking to the heart of the matter here. He's saying, even if you're not an exploder and you never murder someone, that anger that's in your heart makes you guilty before God. So th- those are three ways that we get angry. And, and I just want to tell you, all of us get angry in one of those ways. Some of us get angry in multiple of those ways. In different situations, different things can bring you out of you. And none of them on their own make you worse than another person. So there's no shame in your current form of anger. We're all equally wrong before God in the way that we often approach our anger. Uh, Pete Scazzaro says this, and he, uh, he's really had formational teaching in the church around emotional health. He says that Jesus is in your heart, but grandpa is in your bones. And most of us learn our skill set or our emotional uh, approach to anger through other influences in our upbringing that we then launch into the world and take with us. So there are people who could have a really, really angry father. And some of you have experienced a very angry father. And you may have taken his skill set of anger, and now you tend, unfortunately, to often be a very angry husband or a very angry father yourself. You may be an exploder. Or there are some people who grow up around that same anger, and they make an inner vow, and they say, I will never explode like that. They become a stuffer or a leaker. Is this making sense? So the, we learn a way that we approach this emotion of anger. So anger varies. That's really the, the, the first big thing to understand about anger. Number two, anger responds. Uh, if you think about it, anger is within our emotional makeup. Similar to how God gave us joy, sorrow, affection, and love. It's in our, it's in our makeup. And we're going to talk about this in a minute. Some of you are already thinking this. Wait, Matt, is anger always bad? No. God gave us anger as a gift in our emotional tool set. Now, we've just got to learn how to approach it correctly. The problem is we misuse it. And that's because anger never initiates. Anger is a responder. It's a responder. We have something that triggers us to a certain emotional response and we respond in anger. It's an emotion. Just like if someone shows you affection and love, and it's your husband or your wife or your child or your mom or your dad, and they say, I love you, your heart responds with an emotion. Anger works that same way. Something triggers us, not necessarily negatively, and anger arises. So it's not necessarily bad, but we've got to understand it's a responder. That's the, that's the uh, nature of anger. It never initiates. Uh, maybe you've been asked before, why are you angry? And in reply, uh, you may say, no reason. That is never true. Just so you know, if you ask your wife, hey, why are you angry? And they say, no reason. You got some more work to do. A little more digging to do, guys. All right? Anger is always a responder. Does that make sense? Number three, anger grows. Anger is a very, very lonely emotion. It does not like to be alone. It grows. Give enough time to live, and it's going to invite some friends. And often those friends are bitterness, resentment, and offense. When anger has time 
to sit, it will grow. Unchecked anger never shrinks. It only grows. There's only one direction of unchecked anger. That's growth. Upward. Anyone ever tried to just move on from anger? You said, you know, I'm just going to move on. I'm going to leave it behind. Usually doesn't work because it doesn't take long when it grows to, to get some roots. And we're going to read a scripture about that in a little while. But the next one, the real nature of anger is that anger destroys. Now, this is one I don't know that I have to really explain. Most of us have seen anger destroy. It destroys lives. It destroys families. It destroys relationships. It has destroyed organizations. It has destroyed churches. Anger, it comes up like a weed. It may be like a dandelion to a five-year-old. It looks like a flower to you. But it is going to grow and it's going to put roots down. And it ultimately will always destroy when it's left unchecked. No one may even see it if you're a stuffer. But it will destroy. All right, does that make sense? Everybody good? So what do we do with it? What do we do with anger? This thing that Jesus equates to murder. Well, before we jump into that, I want to approach this uh, topic of righteous anger. Most of us, if you've been in the church, you are familiar with this concept of righteous anger. And um, we see a couple occasions in the Gospels where the Gospel writers noted Jesus as angry. So that's how, that's how we know, hey, anger on its, on its own is not bad when it comes. When it, when it initially arises, it usually isn't negative until it brings along some friends. Uh, but Jesus, Jesus experienced anger in a, in a couple of specific places, and Jesus was without sin. So we know this, this wasn't sin. Um, but two specific things. One that's most known is Jesus going to the temple. He says, my, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And people were trading, and it had become like a business place where people weren't praying, weren't going before God, but they, they, were, uh, they were just there for financial gains, and people were being manipulated. And Jesus, he tore that place up. Simply put, he tore it up. Flipping tables, all kinds of yelling. I mean, he tore it up. And somehow, man, that is righteous anger. Another place that people don't realize often that the gospel writers say Jesus was angry was when, you guys remember the story of when Jesus on the Sabbath met a man with a withered hand. And the, the, uh, the Pharisees and the scribes said, you can't heal this man on the Sabbath. The gospel writers say that Jesus had anger in that moment. He reached out, he healed the man, even though it was the Sabbath, and, and that was a big no-no in that time, amazingly. A couple of key observations from Jesus' anger. Um, we, can, we can judge the righteousness of Jesus and our own righteousness in these observations, I believe. Uh, number one, the thing Jesus was angry about was never... A direct uh, assault on Jesus. It was always about someone else. In, in the examples we see, it was always about someone else. The man with the withered hand, who's healing the, the Pharisees and scribes were trying to take away the opportunity for. See, Jesus saw the injustice of that moment, of that man with the withered hand, and he was angry that anyone would want to stop that healing. The second one, in the temple. The temple was established so that people could come and worship a holy God and it would be a house of prayer. 
And, and Jesus saw this injustice, and he went straight towards it, and, and his anger was appropriately released in that situation. Uh, so, so that's a first key observation, is that anger is usually, that is righteous, isn't directed towards us. I just want to caution you. If you get angry in a moment when someone is coming directly at you, that moment is for grace, not anger. That moment is for grace, not anger. That is a, a moment when anger, the, the opportunity for bitterness and offense for a human heart is so high we cannot let anger lead us to, uh, to any kind of negative sin or action in that moment when it comes directly at us. Usually, righteous anger, and I can't say absolutely, but usually it is when it's directed towards someone else that we see injustice towards another. Number two, Jesus' anger always led to quick resolution. It never had time to just sulk and grow in, in what in the way that we, that I read it and most scholars read it in Jesus's moments of anger, it never had time to just sulk and grow in bitterness. Jesus saw an injustice, the anger arose, the godly emotion arose, and Jesus dealt with the situation of injustice right there. So, a couple key things there. Um, a lot of us in the church, it is really easy to feel anger, justify ourselves as saying, "Oh, this is righteous anger." Sometimes it is. This week, um, I was very angry about a situation where a, a very prominent business leader uh, decades ago had in secret and covered it up for, for 40 years uh, had molested a 14-year-old. Man, when I read that, I was angry. I was angry. But there's an opportunity when I see an injustice like that to let that sulk in my heart and grow bitterness towards the church Bitterness towards God. God, how could you let this happen? Bitterness and, and uh, strife towards others. Suspicion. There are all forms that anger could take. But, but I've got to take that anger when I have that righteous anger and submit it to the Lord. Say, Lord, how can I help, um, how can, how can I help advance your kingdom through this anger that I'm feeling in this moment? At the same time, we often like to justify our anger as Christians. If we're honest. We often like to say, oh, that's righteous anger. Anger towards your spouse, just letting you know, I know I'm stepping on toes, usually isn't righteous anger. Usually not. All right? So what do we do with it? What do we do with our anger? Uh, I believe these are some key steps. Uh, whether, whether you've come already in this message to believe you're an angry person or not. Uh, these are key steps as we approach our anger uh, to walk free of it. To walk free of any negative, sinful anger that is going to leave us judged before God. Here's how we walk free. Number one, this is true with all sin and so true with anger. Confess. Confess today and confess quickly when anger arises. There are many married couples in this room and some of us not married. If you've got a spouse and anger arises in your heart, don't say, I'm angry. But confess, and I'm really feeling anger arise in this moment. Can we pause? Can we pray? Confess it. Maybe you're single, or maybe you're a child to a parent. You can confess to parents. You can confess to others that you're close to. Confess to a pastor. 
uh, whoever it needs to be confessed. I had a moment this week, it wasn't anger, where something arose in me and I was like, oh, that is not godly. I picked up the phone, called a friend, and I said, man, I just got to confess this. I've got to live with a clean slate, white and washed before the Lord. I've got to confess something to you. Confession is the means to redemption. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Stuffers. To the stuffers and the leakers here, I'm like this. Um, I'm going to out myself with Olivia. When you have a moment and someone says, are you angry? And you say, no, I'm just frustrated. Do I do that? Yeah, so much. That is anger. That is anger. All right? Don't cover it. Confess it. You will be free. Uh, Second response when anger arises, we've got to pull the weeds we got to pull them up by the roots. we got to break habits and patterns. Hebrews 12, 14 through 15, the writer of Hebrews says, Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see God. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Many of us have roots of anger, that have, have stayed there and they've been there for decades of our life. Going back to something that, that really was done wrong against us, a true injustice. Some, some injustices, some not. But we, we get these roots and they go deep in us. Those are really hard to pull up. That's the hard work here. We've got to pull up those weeds though. We've got to get them by the roots and get that anger out of us. How do we do it? A couple of first important things that beyond confession, confessing we have anger inside of us, uh, breaking habits and changing patterns. I just want to say a quick word about this. A, a really important way that we can do that is by learning a new response pattern. Uh, when, I was, when I was a teenager, I had some forms of sin that I was really struggling with. But there would just be triggers that were coming again and again. And it was like I didn't have enough time to even respond righteously because my brain had gotten so used to it. When this arises, sin comes. When this arises, sin comes. I was like, how do I break this cycle? Anger is that way for many of us. we got to learn a new response. James 1, 19 through 20 warns us in this. This you know, my beloved brethren, everyone must be quick to hear slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So the the first key to developing a new response is slowing down. When you feel anger arise inside of you, I encourage you, slow down. God created your body that a deep breath in and a breath out would slow down you down. It would put you in your right mind. That isn't fight or flight, but it gets you to a godly opportunity to recognize the Holy Spirit and and, and to respond correctly when that anger arises or whatever emotion it is. We got to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. A couple other things if you have a cycle of anger that you need to break. Uh, Ephesians four twenty six through thirty two, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, 
And do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one that's in need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgave you. That's a long passage. Key thing in there. Put away anger, malice, slander, all of these things. And there's really a key above saying how to do it. Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now, what do we do with this? Some of us have, uh, if, if you know this principle really well if you're married, usually in a godly household, uh, when, when there's anger that arises for Olivia and I, it loves to arise just 10 minutes before I'm planning to go to sleep. And, and this anger arises, emotion arises, and, and we recognize, okay, this verse in Ephesians, Paul says, don't let the sun go down your anger. We've got to deal with this. Now, some may say, the sun has already gone down if it's 11 p.m. This is tomorrow's issue. Here's the point. I don't know who would say that. Here's the point. Don't let anger go into another day with another amount of issues with another amount of opportunities to get angry again. Don't let it roll over and sit. I think here's the, here's the heart of what Paul is saying. Deal with it quickly. When anger arises, don't let it grow. Don't let the sun go down on it. Just deal with it. Just deal with it. That is an important pattern. For many of us, we have gone year after year after year after year of anger rolling day after day. And it just grows. It's hard to break the pattern. One really important thing is to deal with it right in front of you when it arises. Worship team, you can come on up. I, I, when I was struggling with anger as a kid, and, and let me tell you, if I haven't demonstrated yet, uh, I am, I've not got this figured out. I had an important pattern, though, of washing my mind and my soul with Scripture. I, I don't know why it was, but Proverbs 15.1 was just the verse for me. And, and Proverbs 51 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I remember when I was, uh, when I was a kid in, in those times when sports were intense, competition was intense, I would tell myself this verse again and again and again and again when anger would arise. Matt, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And I was just reminding myself by the Holy Spirit, Matt, respond gently. When something triggers that anger, respond with a gentle word. Don't be harsh. That really helped me uh, get out of that explosive pattern I was having. Finally, in worship team, you can go ahead when you're ready. Get help. Don't go at it alone. This is true in our whole spiritual walk. And I hope it's represented well by us all being here today. If you recognize You've got an anger problem inside of you. You've got a cycle that's going on again and again and again. Get some help. Don't let that judgment stay on you. 
don't let the judgment Jesus was speaking of, of if a man has anger in his heart, he's guilty before the courts like murder. Don't let it stay. Get help. For so many, for so many, there is a, a hold on you. Just like Ephesians said, don't let the enemy get, get an opportunity. Some, some versions say a foothold. A foothold has come and it's grabbed you from the enemy. To, to get free of that, I'm telling you, you will need help. That may be a spouse. Maybe some humility in front of your spouse would really help. For some of us, I'm convinced of this. It would be really good to see a counselor, a professional that understands your brain and can hear your story and, and, and the struggles you've been through. Man, there's a lot that a counselor could help you with. Maybe you need to talk to an elder or a pastor. Probably don't come to me because clearly I don't have this figured out. But uh, just get some help. That's my point. If, if you're hearing today, if you're here today and you just know, you just know, man, I've got a bit of an anger problem. First confess. Work on some new patterns. Get some help. Get some help. Let's stand together. We're going to worship. Thank you that when you came, you didn't just give us words to edify our soul and to make us feel good. Lord, you came and you challenged us. You gave us a higher standard. Lord, so many in this room have been battling anger for years and they don't know what to do. Father, I just pray over victory over the people that are here in this house that, Lord, this would be a house that would be free of a root of bitterness or strife or offense. But, Lord, we would be a people here in southwest Minnesota that develop good patterns that when anger arises, Lord, we deal with it quickly. Jesus, would you give us a revelation of what righteous anger looks like. That, Father, it wouldn't be a detriment to us, but a tool as we approach the world. If you're here and you just have recognized this, man, I've got an anger problem. I just want you to close your eyes right now. I'm going to pray a prayer. And it's not a, re- a prayer to repeat. But I just encourage you to, to just receive this prayer in your heart. Speak this prayer in your heart. If that's you, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know that I have an issue with anger. Lord, today I see there are roots in me. Some of you right now can think of what those roots are, what caused them. Jesus, my prayer is that I want to be free. I don't want anything to hold me back from being washed by the precious blood of Jesus. Jesus, would you help me? Holy Spirit, would you guide me in truth around this issue of anger? Jesus, I pray as Psalm David prayed in Psalm 139, search me, O God. See if there's any wicked way in me. Lead me in the path of everlasting life.
Jesus, I give you my anger. I give you my offense and my bitterness. Lord, today I say I want to be free. Jesus, would you help me to walk on a new journey of freedom before you? Holy Spirit, would you show me those moments when anger is arising like it has again and again? Would you help me to speak slowly and gently? To see that anger and submit it to your Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I give this to you. Jesus, would you give me the boldness to confess where those roots of anger have arisen? To confess I have a problem here to get the help that I need. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship.
If you're here, I've got a challenge for you. If you came with a spouse on your way home today, uh, talk about the issue of anger. Talk about it. How is it impacting your marriage, your relationship? I believe the Lord will do some healing work in the car after this. If you're going home alone or with a friend, talk to them or talk to the Holy Spirit. Lord, how is anger impacting my heart? And if you're a Chiefs fan, please don't get angry when you see the final score tonight. All right? All right, God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Uh, Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. See you guys.